Hey everyone, welcome to episode 83 of You Heard It Here Second. New episodes are released every week on DerekAndSteve.com and on iTunes as well. So just search for Derek and Steve or You Heard It Here Second and make sure to subscribe today. It was the most typical example of Twitter. Like, no one on Twitter can just be like, oh, I won't get that super offended by that. It was a joke. Derek and Steve present. I'm so used to just flying through tweets that if I see one that's 280 characters, even if I start to read it, I don't finish it. I just fling through it. Then they've got, obviously, a sweatshirt covered in Taco Bell logo. It's like cool stuff. Look at this. They've got (laughs) t-shirts that are made out of the uh, fire sauce. Joe Jonas and Sophie Turner are engaged. Huge. Huge news. Um, I know who both of these people are. You heard it here second. Good morning, (laughs) ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to episode 83 of You Heard It Here Second. I'm Derek, alongside Steve. Uh, You you threw me off. You're going to ask me what's going on? You threw me off by saying your part. I'm Steve, alongside Derek. Derek, what's going on? Well, Derek, not much. Uh, Not much is going on. Uh, Episode 83? Just for new listeners, I am Steve. This voice is Steve. Yeah, sorry, sorry. We should clarify that. I'm Derek. That's Steve. Steve. That is Steve. Episode 83, we have to clarify who's who. Yes, exactly. This is bad. It's been a while. (laughs) You know, you might have been confused this entire... You might have listened to 82 episodes and been incorrect about who was who, but... I certainly hope not, because you've got bad, bad opinions. So... um, our takes are different sometimes. Sometimes they're the same. But <laughs> Very true about the takes. That's the way most takes work. Um, episode 83, if you heard it here a second. So uh, what do we got for you today? We got, A, some production value. Huge we news. Just, we yeah. just cranked out in the last 20 minutes. We, you're going to hear some new effects yeah. today. A couple of new effects that we've been talking about for a while. We're like, oh, we got to do this, and then we don't do it. And then we're like, we got to do this, and then we don't do it. And we, today and we just said, we're, just like, we're doing what? it. Let's just do it. Let's just do it now. So we probably should have spent a little more time on that. Maybe, but, you know, version one, as I, version say, one. I, as I say, version one. Um, and one of them we sort of maybe took as is from the internet, but the other ones we kind of made ourselves. So uh, we'll see that very shortly. Um, Get excited. But as the agenda for today, you're getting used to this. This is what you see during football season. We've got period number one, Boston College football. Period number two, pop culture. And all other encompassing things, kind of. There's a lot of overlap between that and sports sometimes and, and whatever else is going on. Uh, and number three is sports. So uh, anything you want to you do before we get started? The only thing I want to do before we get started is announce the first effect. So this okay, is the BC. Yeah. So we're officially going to say like, all right, so let's kick it off with the BC update. Right. And then you hit the sound effect. Right. So let's, well, let's do that. Let's right, give let's it a shot. It. Yeah, let's try it. Um, all right, so yeah, no, let's start it off with period one, the BC update. Got another new! <laughs> What's better than this? Guys being dudes. <laughs> dudes to the right, dudes to the left, stuck in the middle with you. Got another new! Heisman Trophy, Bronco Nagurski Award, Ultimate Dudes. Got another new! O-line you, bunch of dudes. So we got Steve Adazio, guys being dudes. That is none other than our head coach, <laughs> Steve Adazio, calling guys dudes. Which, so if you, if any of you guys missed that or are recent converts to being BC football fans as uh, as a result of us talking about BC football all the time, uh, that was from a couple years ago, actually. That was kind of like a big campaign in, in the earlier in his tenure. Uh, as Boston College football coach was this whole be a dude um, thing that kind of stuck and was very popular. It was popular, um, not just among BC alone. Yeah, like, it's a very funny 
thing. <laughs> he just walks out and looks at a field of players and goes, just guys being dudes. <laughs> I mean, for, for as much as I've, I've hated Steve Adazio during his time here, like that phrase is hilarious. It's true. Like, like I crack up laughing every time. I hear it's that great too. Like guys, I wish I guys, thought, guys being dudes. I wish I thought of. It. I wish I thought of it. <laughs> Be a dude, and he he built like a culture around it. Yeah, and so um, yeah. Five years later. Yeah. So five years later, for years we've been ragging on him, but you know, rag on him when he deserves it, and give credit when he deserves it. Boston College football looks like a transformed team in the last two weeks. Um, so BC this week going into Virginia, a road game, road ACC game. Coming off last week's game, which was a 45-42 win against Louisville, yeah. uh, which we talked about at length in the podcast last week, uh, against Lamar Jackson, you know, pro- you know, top top ten pick probably in the NFL draft, like elite athlete, uh, Heisman Trophy winner last year. So on the road, huge challenge against Louisville, and BC offense, you know, comes to the rescue and puts up forty five points. Then they go into Virginia this past weekend against a five and one Virginia Cavaliers team. Granted, not a top 25 team, not like a bunch of marquee wins, but a 5-1 and one ACC team. And BC steamrolls Virginia 41-10 to 10 in what was easily, I think easily their most impressive win since the USC win. I, I, I would say off the top of my head without the, thinking much about it, that's probably... It depends on what you're, you're qualifying as impressive. Uh, sure, like we, we dominated, we yeah. got a ton of yards, but this was absolutely the most complete game. Complete game and just the way they look is the way I'm is okay. the way I'm evaluating. Then, then that. yes, I would I would agree with you there. We we had five hundred twelve yards of total offense, um, three takeaways, uh, thirty five minutes of possession to twenty six minutes of possession. So we really just dominated on both sides of the ball. Anthony Brown looked like an all star quarterback. He did. He for looked the first like, time in his career. For the really. first time in his career, he looked like a quarterback that you can say, this is who we want on our football team. This is who we want to lead our football team. I'm so happy we have him for hopefully three to four years, depending yeah. on how long he stays. Yeah. Um, A.J. Dillon is still amazing. I think yeah. he's gonna he's our running back. I think he's going to be a staple for Boston College Absolutely. moving forward. And honestly, to the point of um, who's the Chargers running back? Or the Andre Williams. Andre Williams-esque. Yeah. <laughs> Where yeah. he just dominates. I don't think he'll be as good in the pros. But Andre Williams did that for one season at BC. I like think just a- his senior year was when he broke out. AJ Dillon's a true freshman. I think AJ Dillon's gonna have a wonderful yeah. college career. I think so too. I think so too. So what do we mark the turnaround? I mean, I know what I think it is, but I don't know exactly when in Adazio's mind he made the switch. Well, so the, so let's start by saying AJ Dillon and John Hillman both still get get work, which yes. is which is good. I think you know you don't want to overwork the kid, and John Hillman's a good running back too. I don't think that can be lost in this equation that he's a good running back and he's our better pass catching running back between the two. So Hillman's still got a role carved out for him in this offense, and I think he will next year as well because he's only a junior. Um, so there, there's that side of it. I think when did it switch? It, it was during the Louisville game. I, I mean. The moment I would point to that it switched was probably the gif that you've seen all across the internet. Oh, yeah. Um, because that run was the run that put, and we talked about AJ Dillon a lot last week, but that run was the run that pushed it over the top of like, whoa, like this kid's, like, this is the real. Ha- this yeah, is happening. he's real. He's but not, like, you he's know, not a like, fluke. Up until that point, I don't want to discredit what he had done to that point because he already had like 150 yards and three touchdowns or two touchdowns, I think, at that point, maybe. But that run was after Louisville had just countered, answering with a touchdown to bring it back to within one score. And the first play of the drive, A.J. Dillon 
sheds to you know one tackler and then and throws another tackler. Steamrolls a guy. And then, like we said, outruns all the DBs for a 75-yard touchdown. And we haven't seen a play like that just like take a game over since Tyler Murphy a couple years ago. So that's the moment to me that it was like, okay, there's really no doubt. A.J. Dillon's your number one back at this point. Um, yeah. Is that is that what you were talking about with the where did the page turn for Dazio? I th- so my thought for Adazio, and yes, I think that is the moment. But he's a he's a very simple man. <laughs> yes, if something is. works, he does it again. Yeah. He he doesn't overthink it. He doesn't try to beat defenses, which is to his credit. He he if it works, he does it again. Yeah. <laughs> he was very aggressive during the Louisville game. Mm-hmm. I think we went for it on a couple fourth downs. Yep. We passed the ball more. We ran some some trickier plays. Not that we ran trick plays, but mm-hmm. we got a little bit more creative, and it worked. Yeah. So at UVA, he says, wow, maybe I will go for it on fourth down multiple times yeah. in opponent territory. Maybe yeah. I will run a, a jet a sweep jet with sweep someone other with than Thad Smith. Yeah, yeah, but also with Thad Smith <laughs> sometimes, too, because yeah. he's our best guy at that. Yeah. And he and he breaks a massive one for a touchdown. So I, I think he, yeah. he it worked, and he's like, wow. And this is two games. This is two games. Yeah, we cannot so, overreact because we've had to have done this before. I don't want to overreact, but he has given Anthony Brown the ability to run. He's he's built in some movement for him. Yep. He has opened up the playbook in terms of not airing the ball out, but smart smart pass plays. short throws, like. consistent throws to Jeff Smith, who's one of our best players. I think you really just have to open because he's playing. Smash mouth football with a freshman quarterback and a freshman wide receiver and a freshman running back. Yeah. You can't grind the ball down the people's throats game. with those with yeah. three freshman playmakers. You yeah. have to actually expand and yeah. run an open offense. Um, so I feel like he's starting to do yeah. that. He's, he's utilized Tommy Sweeney a lot the last couple of weeks mm-hmm. too, the tight end. Um, and also Chris Garrison, the other tight end, has looked pretty pretty good when he's been called upon. Um, Receiving-wise, like you said, Jeff Smith, Kobe White, and Thad Smith all producing at this point. So that's a very good sign. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Michael Walker is not getting a whole lot of receiver reps anymore, which because he can't catch the football, good. he's a great punt returner. So he's a great punt and kick returner. So he, he's going to continue to return kicks, Fine, but we've realized that he can't really catch. So he doesn't, shouldn't play wide receiver for your football team. Like, you know, that's kind of a realization that you have. And so I think personnel wise, he's settling in and finding the right guys defensively they've looked a lot better the last two weeks I, I know you know you give up 42 points against Louisville it's tough to say your defense looked good but um they th- honestly in that game against Louisville they contained Lamar Jackson pretty well in the first half yeah. um which allowed them to get a lead so um I think all in all he is finally and this is stupid because it's five years in but for this year for this football yeah. team he's recognized who the playmakers are and where yeah. the strengths of the offense and defense are mm-hmm. And he's finally using them to their full potential. Yeah, you you can't ask too much of Anthony Brown, but he's good enough to make playmaker type yeah. plays. Yeah, he is. So I feel like they're finally figuring out who and when to get the ball into the right people's hands. And that is that is this. Uh, I won't exaggerate and say the sky is the limit for this team, but the the limit is so much higher than what we've seen for this team. I think we've said it a bunch of times that I don't think the talent is the problem in this football team. I mean. There are talented players on the field, both sides of the field. We talked about defensively; they might have two first-round picks on this defense, um, and the you know talent, the talent's there. And so, I think the last two weeks, what you've seen, like you said, is a coaching staff that's finally putting these guys in the right positions. And and I won't go as far as to say that they did that well with Anthony Brown last week, 
Anthony Brown against Louisville, remember he got injured, Darius Wade came in, and they called a bunch of easy plays for Darius mm-hmm. Wade, which enabled the game to be easy for him. They did the same thing finally this week for Anthony Brown. They, they rolled him out to his throwing side a few yeah. times, which is like, thank thank goodness, they, they finally understood that that's the way that you should roll a guy on a short little play-action pass. Um, they mixed in rolls to the wrong side, too, a couple times when that was the wide side of the field, and it made sense for like a two-yard throw or something. So um, they started to put him in the right positions to be successful. And ultimately, if you told me five or six weeks ago that BC would put up 40-plus points in back-to-back weeks on the road in ACC games, I would have laughed you. I mean, I would have laughed you out of the room. Like, <laughs> like if you told me that, that BC would put up 40-plus yeah. on the road in two straight weeks in, in conference, I would have said you're nuts. And so um, it's a huge bright side uh, for Boston College. And going into this weekend against FSU, Friday night, nationally televised game, 8 p.m., the line opens at FSU minus three. All right. The first time since Dave Shinsky was Boston College's quarterback that they have been favor they have been underdogs by less than a touchdown to FSU. Wow. First time since Dave Shinsky. So I, it's I was been a long thinking time. we may have gotten up to favorites. Favorites would still be tough. <laughs> I mean, but but it's close. I, like you're two, right. It's, two and four for, uh, Florida State team. Yeah. Is not looking. It's that really good. O- the line is only dictated right now based on history. It's not based on what the teams are doing right now because Florida State doesn't look great right now, and no. BC has looked BC looked as good as they have in you know since literally since the night they beat USC, I think. So, yeah. so let's um, let's preview that game a bit because news that, that came out today is Florida mm-hmm. State running back Jaquez Patrick, um, he's going to un- undergo knee surgery, so he's out for the rest of the season, mm-hmm. um, giving their freshman running back the the keys to the backfield essentially yeah. so it's they're gonna have a freshman running back freshman quarterback as well mm-hmm. versus our freshman running back freshman quarterback so it's gonna be a good matchup I mean I think BC I, I'm gonna honestly say I think BC can pull this one out I this do. is the perfect storm of conditions for BC to win this football game it is um the way they're playing the way that FSU is playing the fact that this just is a, a one of those off years for FSU they got you know Francois being out all year has clearly hurt them you know um they haven't been able to recover like they probably hoped they could. Uh, like we said after that very first game against Alabama, I think FSU's national title hopes were down the drain once once Francois got hurt. But you yeah. still assumed they would be top of the ACC and they'd still be competing with Clemson. Yeah, and you'd think that their their defense could hold them in yeah. these big games, but with their offense being so stagnant and their defense having to be on the field way more than they should, they're just yeah. being gassed left and right. Yeah. And no matter how fast you are, if you're FSU's defense, if you're on the field. 95% of the time, yeah. you're not going to win any football games. Yeah. Um, so uh, I think if our offense gets creative, if we can outspeed them, I don't think you're ever going to out-physical FSU mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and, I mean, not out-speed them in the first yeah. half. Right. But if you can get some consistent drives and get them into the fourth quarter, I think with their offense and our defense, we can yeah. make it work to where the fourth quarter can be ours. And the thing is, BC has – it, it feels like, anyway, BC has played quite a few very competitive games against FSU. Oh, yeah. D- despite the fact that they're always the underdog. We go to, so I go to every BC game against Florida State in, at FSU, yeah. and my parents come up for Florida State at BC here. And my whole family, who's huge FSU fans, always says, on the schedule, BC is always the one they're nervous about mm-hmm. for the trap games because mm-hmm. BC plays FSU so hard for some reason. Yeah. They and play up to that competition so well. Yeah. 
We haven't beaten them in a while. No. But we've played them very close for the past couple of years. Yeah, there, there have been multiple very close games, and particularly it's in those years when we've had bad offenses too, and our defense has, has hung around and, and kept the game very close. Um, and so this year, you know, if the defense can do the same thing, you have a lot more confidence in BC offense right now to be able to hang in there and, and put up some points for the first time in a, in a while against FSU because it, because that's always the downfall. BC cannot score with FSU. They're always – you know, it's one of those battles where you are interested the entire game because they're keeping it close, but the final is going to be like 17-14. You're not going to put up more than like 14 points. And so you hope that this is the time that that turns around and that BC finally is able to execute the things they've been doing so well the last yep. few weeks. Um, if we can, if we are as consistent as we were the last two games in a row, we will beat FSU. If we play the yeah, way we've played they, the last two games, we will beat FSU. Absolutely, that we will. And, and particularly for me, it comes down to the offense. Like, I, I'm willing to almost just say I am not worried about the defense. Like, I'm not saying the defense is going to shut down FSU, but I'm not worried about how they're going to play. Like, the defense, sometimes they give up big plays. Sometimes they are. Sometimes they don't have a stellar performance. But overall, I'm not worried. I, I'd be willing to go, to go as far as to say if the offense just plays – as well, remotely as well as it has the last two weeks, BC should win the game. Um, now, I know that's a big jump from where we would have said this was going to be like two or three weeks ago, but, you know, watching them for two weeks makes a big difference in the way they've looked. I think this is, I mean, two road games scoring 40 points and then coming back to a re-energized alumni it's, stadium it, it's Friday gotta, night it's game. Gonna be, it's going to be. This will be the best atmosphere we've had all year. Absolutely, and the team's going to feel it yeah. because we've been up and down, obviously, yeah. in the the – Season started off hot, and we had a bunch yeah. of fans, and now it's kind of dwindling. Notre, now Dame, it's Notre Dame was crowded. Friday night game, yeah. coming off two huge wins at home. I think it, against a, yeah. a, an ACC usually top twenty-five opponent. Yeah, I think this is. I mean, they're going to ride that. I mean, you flip this it, like th- th- this game is monumental for BC. If you if you look at the ramifications of BC winning this game, to go to five and four from where they were just a few weeks ago. We sat here and, and said that they could go like three and seven. Yeah. You know, and we looked at their schedule. It's like Louisville, no chance. Virginia, they're five and one, so that's going to be tough. FSU, no chance. Like we sat here and said that. So because it was reasonable at the time, because like you you had no reason to believe otherwise. So let's get hyped for it. Let's make predictions, and then we'll go from there. All right. What's your prediction? Friday night okay. at Alumni Friday Stadium, at alumni. eight p.m. Eight p.m. Boston College versus Florida State. BC FSU. Everybody you know is going to be there. I see points being put up in this game. I do. Even though both defenses are pretty good, I see, I see I see this being a game that points get scored. I see defensive points too. I think defensive points could happen as well with the two freshman quarterbacks, freshman running backs. In, the, like, in a high-energy high environment. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I see and a lot of veterans on defense on both sides, some first-round picks on both sides with mm-hmm. Derwin James on the other side. Um, I think that there's going to be points scored. You're right. It's going to be some defensive points. I'm going to say BC will win this game. I have to predict BC's going to win. Sure. I'm, I'm going to predict BC's going to win 27 to 23. Wow, that's almost that's almost what mine was. I'm going to say BC wins 30 to 26. 30 26. Yeah. All right. So 27 23 and 30 26. Both four point victories. Both four point victories for the Boston College Eagles. For BC Eagles. So wow. wow. I, I mean, like. I can't emphasize enough how big the game is because then, because then you get to five and four, you're like, now I'll be very happy about making a bowl game because we'll make a, we'll be legitimate like bowl team mm-hmm. wins against Louisville, FSU, Virginia. Yeah, 
you know, and, and then whoever else we can beat the rest of the way. And we played Clemson well. Yeah, so I, played I, Clemson well, and Louisville just beat FSU in FSU. So there's a lot of yeah, – it, it does make you shake your head about that Clemson game. You had them 7-7 in the yeah. fourth quarter. That's all but, right. You live um, and you learn. You do. You live and you learn. All right, so that does it for the BC update. We talked a lot about it, but now yeah. I would like to settle us down yep. and introduce our newest segment identifier <laughs> – I think that brings us to pop culture. All right, so it's pop culture time. Pop culture. That intro's a little longer. It's than a little sports, longer. I, I, I like it. I kind of like it too. Like it's got it. swagger. We need some feedback on it. Um, yeah, please as give with us all your the, feedback. As with all the intros, I mean, the be a dude thing can't get bad feedback. That's but, staying for uh, good. <laughs> but, so uh, definitely give us feedback on the section intro. But so anyway, we got pop culture. I'm looking at this. This is a pretty sports heavy pop culture, but it's okay. Um, but it's all pop culture. It related. is pop. Yeah, it's not. It's not. I also, I also only put. The fourth one, because there's three Justins in a row. Right, so that may, that makes it's sense. That should be Justin that's, culture. That's the way it's Justin culture. After the first, after the first thing, it's Justin <laughs> culture. Okay, so um, the first one is a pretty big news story today. Uh, just broke on Monday, really. Hilarious so, news story. It's a really funny news story. So, ESPN has announced that they are canceling Barstool Van Talk after one episode. Um, <laughs> for those of you who don't know, obviously, uh, you guys know who Barstool Sports is. I think. Um, but so Big Cat and PFT, uh, as well as another guy, Hank, uh, the three of them are the hosts of Pardon My Take, which is a very popular Barstool podcast. Um, it's, you know, it's been top, near the top of podcast charts for a couple of years or a year at least. Um, and so ESPN, in a shocking turn, uh, signed them on to do Tuesday nights at 1 a.m. Uh, on ESPN, Barstool Van Talk. Yeah. And so the first episode aired. I didn't watch Neither it. Neither did I. Uh, I heard – I didn't really hear any real reviews of it. I heard Barstool followers saying that they liked it, but that's obviously what they're going to say. Yeah. Um, and so there was a whole set of sub-controversy going on here because – So set the scene first. Yeah. So take, taking a step back, Barstool is a very, very crude, yeah. um, immature style of sports slash like female humor. Yes. It's just – I mean, male it's, humor. it's just male humor yeah. in terms yeah. of like the lowest of the lowest common denominator jokes and stuff. Semi-sexist, semi-degrading, yeah. but it, they've gotten this following of people who are just want to watch sports and make fun of them. And like, <laughs> it's just this weird cult of kind of douchebags. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, by and large, yes, that yeah. that's how I, that's how you would describe a- anyone who refers to themselves as a stoolie. Yeah. Yes. That's the way like, and, and so I separate myself because I've always like kind of I, followed the I Barstool lo- guys. I, and think, I think a lot of them are funny. I think they're funny. And some of the content is very well done. Yeah. Like, it, it, like the, the stuff they say is clever. It's yeah. funny, but like sometimes it they is. cross, they, they, tow they cross, that, they, they cross they, that line. They tow that line every time. So it was a very weird choice for ESPN. Yes. To it make. was an extremely weird choice because that's the thing is that, is that Barstool is what it is. People, there's going to be people that hate it and that, um, to be honest, you know, there's a lot of people that take their stuff out of context too when it comes to that kind of thing and really construe them to be a lot more, you know, um, misogynistic probably than they are. I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say that Barstool is saints by any means. You know, they definitely, like you said, walk that line. Um, but, you know, they're always a target is what I mean to say. They're a target for all anti, 
um, basically all you know groups that are you know advocating for for rights all around. They they pick right at Barstool and they're like these guys are the devil, you know. Yeah. And so it was a weird choice for ESPN to bring them on. I want I don't want this to be lost either that it was a weird and hypocritical choice for El Prez to also sign with ESPN. Yeah. El Prez, his whole shtick has been how he hates ESPN. From from the entire Deflategate saga where, you know, the hashtag ESPN lies for everything. He has called ESPN frauds and hypocrites his entire Barstool life. I mean, it's it's sad that it's you it still takes this even after he <laughs> literally sold out yes. to find out he's still a yeah. sellout. Like he is the <laughs> biggest sellout. He, That's he, it. And he tells people he that. Is, He's like, I am a sellout. I do this for the money. <laughs> I invented Saturday. Saturdays are for the boys. Yeah. And I make a ton of money and, off it because you guys are dumb. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and, he literally just says it. And people are like, yeah, press. And look, and look I, I, I'm past the point of being able to say that he's not smart. The, oh, yeah, the guy a built a brilliant business, you know, uh, and, and he knew the audience that he knew. He knew an audience was there that most people wouldn't have even thought was possible to achieve. Yep. But that said, you know, all the everyone who follows him, it's like, and the thing is, I don't hate El Prez, but like, it's just the stuff like this kind of really bugs me. And like, so there's the fact that he signed with ESPN originally, and the fact that bothers me way more is the way he handled this entire last week, because I would be so furious if I was Big Cat. I'm gonna be. I'm just gonna like Big Cat. I think is one of their most talented guys. Yeah, he's got. He, he's a great podcaster. Like like, uh, part of my take is great. He seems like he's and this guy the strikes a deal it. with ESPN yeah. to get a show. And El Prez just completely torpedoed this. Like, yeah. completely. <laughs> he could not drop like Sam Ponder tweeting something bad about Barstool. Yeah. He just couldn't let it go. Yeah. And like the fact that El Prez went and just like started all like just this rant up uh, back you know fighting back against that and digging up old sam ponder tweets like that's what they were doing the last week yeah and so and and i'm you can't convince me that's not what just led to espn cutting this because like espn didn't just sign a barstool show not knowing what barstool was yeah. you know like they thought that they could get this by and it just created too much backlash for them to go with it and i th- and i blame el prez completely for that and I, and if i was big cat i would be very angry about it both sides are very dumb yeah. so both sides handled this so poorly <laughs> yeah. the fact that espn still allowed the barstool to keep the barstool name and then after yeah. one episode said we couldn't distance ourselves from the barstool name yeah. like of course not of course you couldn't <laughs> uh, so it, it just it didn't make sense I, i'm glad it's over so fast cuz it yeah to let something like that linger yeah. and just spoil it, both sides get to kind of save face a tiny bit yeah. and say, you know what? So like, forget about that. We're different. Pretend that didn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, and yeah, it's like what what I read that ESPN had been demanding um, that they drop the Barstool name and Barstool understandably refused. Yeah. I, I mean, from that perspective in the negotiation, I don't blame Mel Prez one yeah, bit no, that's for refusing that because yeah. also because it's two of his most talented guys. Why would he let two of his most talented guys go? sign for an ESPN show without any Barstool branding. Yeah, they would, would just be ESPN guys. Exactly, then, yeah. at that point. So I don't blame El Prez for making that demand in the in the negotiations, but just both sides. Like, this was not going to work, and, like, it is the least shocking thing in the world and that the this funny got thing cut. Is, it's, it has nothing to do with the content not, of, at all. of the at show. At all. Like, at all. The one show they had, <laughs> we didn't watch it, but there was no negative reviews. It yeah. was only, like, semi-positive. I'm sure it was fine. And even the thing, even the uh, – um, the comment from ESPN CEO or whoever made yeah. the decision was like, we want to thank Big Cat and PFT yeah, for their it, uh, episode. The show delivered on what they said they would. And it was, they were like, we had the, we approved the content. Like, we liked the content of this show, but, like, we couldn't distance ourselves from the Barstool brand. Which, yeah. like, obviously, it's called Barstool Van Talk. What did you think? <laughs> like, so there's all of that. Um, but, again, for me, 
I have to I, I blame El Prez in this. And, and just the other quote I put down here that he said today, which I laughed out loud about, is, again, this hubris that he has. You know, in this whole thing of him defending this breakoff with ESPN, he says ESPN needed us more than we needed them. Yeah. Like, sure. Like billion-dollar ABC corporation. Like, yeah. yeah. Like, that's – it's just a ridiculous thing to say. And, like, I know that he's probably half kidding, but, like, it's it's just – to it's, me, it would be very aggravating if I was the two guys that got a, got a chance to crack an ESPN show and get a lot of a lot more publicity than mm-hmm. they have, and El Prez just completely torpedoed it. If I was those guys, I would think about leaving Barstool and and being yeah. on their own. And know? he's not an owner anymore, right? He's, he's he still owns like f- he owns a big chunk still. He owns okay. like forty something. But he percent. sold a ton. Yeah, of the, like the Churning Group is the is the primer is the owner. You know, the the Churning Group owns it. Um, someone else is the Barstool CEO. He's like the president, I think. Yeah. So, um, so how's this? Both sides lose in this equation. Yep. It was a, it was a losing effort on both sides. But who came out on top between the two of them? Who came out it's gotta, more okay? It's got to be Barstool. It has to be. I mean, like so, and that's relative to where they were. Like I said, ESPN, ESPN is like the ESPN is the necessary evil for everyone. Well, like I don't think anyone like loves ESPN. Like mm-hmm. that we watch ESPN all the time and we hate all the stuff. That's true. But we it's, but it's ESPN. It. There's no alternative. There's no like, like I, I, I like ESPN by default. Everyone knows ESPN. Everyone watches ESPN. Everyone consumes ESPN content. That is not going to change. We're so watching ESPN right now. We're watching ESPN right now, just in the background. So ESPN wasn't going to gain anything from this, I think, except for what they thought was like a share of this younger um, barstool following population, which they didn't really get because it went one episode. Yeah. Um, Barstool gets a bunch of publicity and it says the saying goes, no publicity is bad publicity. Yeah. Like especially for the them. people who hated Barstool didn't change their mind about this, but yeah. there's probably plenty of people that did not know what Barstool was and are seeing this news story now. And they're going to go listen to pardon my take. They're going to go be like, Oh, who's this big cat guy? Everyone's saying they feel bad for him. And like that he was actually good, but it was all El Prez's yep. fault, you know? So I think Barstool does win, even if it's El Prez making a fool of himself. And, and I think that El Prez, they're okay with that. Public that's perception their, wise loses, that, but he doesn't care. He doesn't care. That's their job. Like his job yeah. is to be the anti ESPN. Yeah, it is. Exactly. He's, his exactly. job is to be the anti sports establishment. Yeah. It's and true. every time something like it's this true. happens, he gets to say ESPN needed us more than we needed them yeah. as a joke, <laughs> yeah. but it builds that, yeah. that persona that they need. That they don't care. And like, they like, if yeah. it feeds right into it. So I, yeah. I think they, yeah. I think they come out on top. Uh, they do. They do. They do. And, and yeah. And and last ta- last note on that, I, I actually listened to an episode today of Pardon My Take, um, and, and like, it is ridiculously crude as well. Yeah. <laughs> like I I I would have loved to see how Bar how uh, Big Cat and and PFT were to do this on TV in like a, in a in a um, censored way because the, the, it's a it's a hilarious podcast, but it is very inappropriate. So, <laughs> um, so so I thought that was not that was their natural so, medium. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so moving on to. The Justin portion of yeah, pop culture. Just in time. Um, just in time. Nice. Uh, headlining the 2018 halftime show, Justin Timberlake, just 14 years removed from the wardrobe malfunction. Derek, how do we feel about the choice? How do we feel about the wardrobe malfunction? <laughs> 14 years later. Um, I'm with the choice. I like Justin Timberlake. I think everyone likes Justin Timberlake. True. Um, he's a great performer. You got to catch him before he's getting too old here. He's getting old. He's getting old. I've seen some angles. Crazy. There's some angles of him singing that make him look really old. Yeah, I mean, it's like scary. he's like he's only like 36, but like, which is crazy, by the way. He started when he was so young. He's been around forever, and he's 36. But, but 36 is getting old. That's when like it comes scary. To like, That's when like when it comes to like when he looks old, yeah. we look old. Yeah, and so um, 
that's getting old when it comes to the kind of thing they do in the halftime show now. Like Lady Gaga jumped from the from the roof last year, so like, true. Uh, like, like there, there's a bar that ra- that keeps raising for what you're expected to do to to be impressive in the halftime show. So, get JT in there while he's young, he's young enough to be able to do something crazy or, or at least perform effectively. Um, I like the choice. The wardrobe malfunction is certainly not going to happen again in today's day and hey, age. I, I you mean, never know. I would be stunned. I would be stunned if it happened again. Um, but it will be the talk of it, it'll be all over the place. Do you think they make a mention of it? Oh, absolutely. Like Justin Timberlake during the show, or some oh, like. Do you the think show? Janet Jackson comes out as like a joke, or like do you think you think they uh, make a note of it? Because I feel like they have to. I don't think they will in the show itself. I, I think it's gonna be talked about by a lot of people. Like, I feel I like, like that's right up JT's alley is to joke about something. Joke like, about it. He's kind of a joker. He gets it. He doesn't yeah. take himself too seriously I, as far you know as I what? know. You know, maybe I could see it. I, I could see it because there's a very distinct – it's a very distinct motion in the original wardrobe malfunction yeah, that he rip. makes. Like the rip. Yeah. He could very easily go for a rip like that because like, there's like a pause before the rip. You know, he could easily recreate that moment and then not do it but like laugh. I, I could see it. Um, if I was picking right now, I would say they, they're not going to put mention of it in the show. But I could definitely see them working. My money's it. on it. Them yeah. making it. There'll uh, be some mention. prop bets on that for sure. So, so that's it. Justin Timberlake. I'm I'm a fan too. I think it's a good pick. You're right. He's f- also 14 years later has 14 times better songs now. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he's got to play some old and sync songs, but now yeah. he's got like jams. He's got a lot of jams. Yeah. So we'll have a lot to choose from. Should be a good show. Yeah. Second Justin in the news this week. Justin Bieber gets a huge new <laughs> chest tattoo. I saw that. Torso, chest, giant. His whole chest to, to mid stomach is covered. Everything. Did you look at it? I did look at it. I didn't it's, look at it in much detail, but it's a lot of tattoo. It's a lot of tattoo. So I, I don't know how. I mean, I generally don't think I approve. That's like his <laughs> entire torso is covered. No longer little beebs, man. Yeah, um, baby, baby. It's, it's one just more an lonely girl. Tattoo. You think there's <laughs> one more lonely girl after that? I don't know. I don't know. It's just a absurd tattoo. It's an absurd tattoo. Justin Bieber turning into what we feared as one of those like what happened to him what's he yeah. doing now i mean right now he's in like the prime of his career can we talk about how every celebrity is like that now like crazy like why does taylor swift have to reinvent herself again mm. taylor swift was like was doing great like, doing like why does she have to like i mean i think it's got to have something to do with the celebrity man once we get yeah. big enough we'll start having to Just change do other and, things and, yeah and be something else you know no like we'll we'll get too famous we'll we'll start arguing one of us will have to have yeah. a solo career, probably me, and then I'll have to get a face tattoo, and you'll <laughs> spiral, and you'll start doing yeah, drugs, I'll, and I'll get my entire body and covered. I'll end up tattoos, trying something like <laughs> juggling or something yeah. I'm not very good but, at. But just because you have to, just because you have to reinvent your talents. Yeah, that's get a, a, yeah. Get a I mohawk. Can see I can see it. That's 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 gonna happen. So. But at least cool. we're we're a ways away from that. We're yeah. only on episode eighty. At least so. I get the solo career too. Yeah. That's nice. well, that's true. I mean, I'll by default have to try to have one too. Yeah, but, but you'll you'll be hooked I mean, on meth. That's that's a good point. <laughs> good point. I forgot, uh, I forgot about that. Okay, moving on to the last Justin. Um, Justin Verlander could win World Series MVP. I just put that there because there was a third Justin yeah, actually needed, in the news. You needed a third Justin. But I think before we talk about this Justin, we should introduce sports. So that's the familiar sports section intro. Love it. Um, okay, well, reliable. the obvious, most important thing in sports right now, Derek, 
The Washington Redskins are playing the Philadelphia of Eagles. It's three three. Of course. Just kidding. I thought the you were going to say Alex Cora. Alex Cora. No. It's <laughs> so the World Series. World Series. Um, finally, we have a World Series. I feel like baseball playoffs have been taking forever. It does feel kind of feel that way. It I feels think like they've a long time just been yeah. talked about more this year. I mean, that yeah. means they're good. Yeah. But it's just people have been paying more attention because yeah. the teams are better, the excitement's better. Mm-hmm. Um, the games have been really good. We had a game seven, two game sevens, right? No. No, the, just one. No, Dodgers the... didn't take a game seven, but Dodgers won in five. I guess we had a five, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, yeah, the series before, there was a – yeah, the Yankees had two, the Yankees yeah. had two uh, winner take Two, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Two winner take alls. Um, I don't like that they do that, five, seven, seven. Yeah. They need to do I seven, th- seven, seven. I think seven. they should all be seven. I, I agree. mean, we, I've, we've said at length before that the ALDS should be – or the LDS series should be seven games. But mm-hmm. Okay, so the series is set. It is my original picks. Yeah. The Astros versus the Dodgers. Yep. Um, not a very difficult pick. I think no, they were I both had, the yeah, one seeds the going into it. I had the Dodgers and Indians, which the Indians disappointed. Yeah. But, First um, time in like 100 years that two 100-win teams will be playing each other yep. in the World Series, which yep. – it's strange that it finally works out this way, that the literally the two best teams in the league are going to yeah. play each other for the World Series, Yeah, which is great. We don't get that often enough, Yeah, um, true. especially in baseball. So Astros, super high-powered offense, um, two amazing pitchers, very fun, fast team to watch, young, um, aggressive. Dodgers, more established. They've got some veteran pitchers. Mm-hmm. They've got some veteran outfielders, veteran bullpen. And they've got some young guys, too. They've uh, Corey Seager, if he comes back, will be a big piece of that. But they're a very exciting team as well. So mm-hmm. it's going to be a very, very good World Series. Um, what, what, do your, what are your keys to the game, or what are you excited to see? Well, so um, first of all, I'm excited that, again, and this is similar to last year, I'm excited that we're going to see a World Series champ that has not experienced this in, like, you know, 20, in 30 years, pretty much. Yeah. Um, the Dodgers... I just verified to check. The Dodgers have won six World Series in their history. The last one was 1988, so mm-hmm. almost 30 years ago. And the uh, Astros have never won a World Series. So um, That's good for it's, baseball. It's great for baseball to have a new champion you know, uh, being crowned no matter what. Um, th- so, you know, going into the ALDS, after the Astros had just beaten the Red Sox, the way the Astros were hitting the ball, I was like, there's no one that's going to beat the Astros. I mean, mm-hmm. this lineup is just ridiculously stacked. They did cool off quite a bit against the Yankees. Yeah, they you know, the, Yankees the Yankees went up 3-2 to two on Houston, and it was one of those series that the home team won every game in the series. Houston needed their home field advantage to win. Um, so with that said, the Dodgers have not shown that same um, vulnerability in the playoffs. And the Dodgers, we need to not forget that the Dodgers were like, historically best team ever for a lot of the season before they hit a little cold streak. But, you, but you know, outside of that cold streak, which they've rebounded from, they've once again been basically unbeatable. So this is a tough one for me. I think that the the um, keys are going to be in the middle-tier pitchers to me. Really? Um, I, I mean, it's tough because, it, like, for me, the, the top-end pitchers are just a wash. Like, they're – I mean, obviously you got to win them, but – Whoever wins with the middle tier pitchers, whoever's middle tier pitchers give them good starts, are going to have a leg up in this series. Yeah. Oh, you mean middle tier starters? Middle tier starters. Sorry, okay. I didn't mean like middle relievers. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean games three and four starters. Gotcha. Um, I agree. And, with and that. if they come back around and have to pitch a game six or something like that, even. Um, basically, you got Kershaw and Keuchel are going game one, I believe. Two lefties. I think Dodgers have the edge in that. If Kershaw pitches up to his potential, he's notoriously had trouble pitching in the playoffs, but uh, he's been pretty good in these playoffs. 
Ga- uh, game number two is Verlander against Rich Hill, which I think you have to give the edge to Verlander. Got to be Verlander. The way he's he, pitching in the playoffs is he's unbelievable. He's the best playoff pitcher of all time yeah. at the moment. Yeah, he, he's, he's 4-0 with a 196 in, the, in these playoffs. Um, and, yeah, he's just he's been unhittable in yeah. the playoffs. So. Um, where I think the series starts to turn is when Yu Darvish faces the Astros number three. That, I think that's a big one which for, is for the Dodgers. McCullers, which maybe? is McCullers or Charlie Morton, who, yep. who, who both, pit, both pitched well in Game 7. Um, McCullers, McCullers came out of the bullpen after Morton started. So, I think McCullers is going to be out of the bullpen again from yeah. what I read. And so if those two combine to give you a good start, and then you can bring back like Keiko in Game 4, Verlander again Game 5 or something, then I think the Astros are really lined up well. But it's going to be, you know, you need those those guys to give you a good start outside of the Verlander Keiko starts because not only – not only do you only get either three or four starts out of Verlander and Keuchel, you aren't going to probably win them all because they're going to be against Kershaw and potentially you Darvish in one of them later. So um, for me, it's going to, I'm picking the Dodgers in this series. I Interesting. Think. As much as I a week ago thought the Astros were going to win it all. I mean, seeing the Astros struggle against the Yankees who I just, I didn't think the Yankees were that good. You know, I mean, the Yankees pitching, are, are young, young and exciting, but like those pitchers held Houston in t- in check. Yeah, and I think the Dodgers pitchers are just way better than the Yankees. The pitchers, Dodgers so. starting, oh, they're actually Dodgers all together in the better. bullpen. But too. the Yankees bullpen is better than the Astros bullpen, so yeah. that's maybe the Yankees. Where yeah, yeah, yeah. That, so they might have made up some that, ground yeah. there. But again, that's another thing that that worries me about the Astros is that bullpen for them keeping the Dodgers at bay. So I'm going to pick the Dodgers. I think it's going to be a good series. I think it's going to go six probably. I think that Verlander is going to win his game. I'm pretty. I, I will. I'm just convinced of it. He's just yeah. not, not hittable lately. Um, and I think they, the Astros win another game somewhere in there, but I'm going to pick the Dodgers in six. I'm going to pick the Astros in All seven. Right. I'm going to pick the seven. Astros in seven. I think the Astros, they're an energy team. When they play at home, they play so, so well, mm-hmm. which means they just have to get one or two on the road, Yeah. which I don't know if – I mean, I, I don't think you Darvish has it in him to be a mm-hmm. – a lights out playoff pitcher, yeah. and I think McCullers and Morton together do. Mm-hmm. I think the Dodgers have the better bullpen, and I but I think I think the Astros have a good enough bullpen to mm-hmm. to make the the later series the later end of each game okay. It's going to come down to the starting pitching. If someone yeah. can get runs in the first couple innings, first four innings, mm-hmm. and any start, mm-hmm. I think they're going to have the chance to win. And I think the Astros have a better chance of doing that with Jose Altuve being able to produce mm-hmm. every single time yeah. he's at the plate. Literally, does, like guys up and always. up and down the. Um, Guriel is hitting from the bottom of the order. Yeah. Brian McCann's hitting from the bottom of the order. Yeah. The, the, they have guys all, all over the, who can, yeah. who are experienced enough and have enough wherewithal mm-hmm. to hit in these high mm-hmm. pressure situations. So you don't need your. Uh, Carlos Correa's or your George Springer's to actually hit home runs every time they're at bat. Mm-hmm. You have Jose Altuve blooping one into center field and getting a double, stealing third, and then manufacturing runs from there. So I think in that regard, the Astros are better. I think the Dodgers are fun. They've got some veteran hitters. I think they're riding a hot streak with Puig. They're riding a hot streak with Bellinger and, and Justin Turner. They're, they're all mm-hmm. very good hitters. But I, I think overall the Astros have – a higher tier of hitters, mm-hmm. which will make the difference I, in these yeah. high energy situations. I do think they have the higher tier hitters. I think um, 
And I think they have There's, the best pitcher. I think they have, they have the, the best pitcher so, right uh, now. Right now, yeah. And I think I, they have the better hitters. I think Kershaw is the best pitcher in the series, but I think but Kershaw has had, had has had trouble in high pressure situations. Um I think that a couple things here. First, one thing I observed about the Astros against the Red Sox in the ALDS, this team is built to destroy left handed pitching. This team has righties all through the, the Astros. Lineup. The Astros. Yeah. They are just loaded with righty hitters. So that's one thing that is, you know, Kershaw and Rich Hill open up the series lefty lefty. Mm-hmm. So that is certainly advantage Astros in that area. Um, I'm looking at the schedule as far as like when the days off are and everything like that. And I'm going to revise to Astros, uh, sorry, to Dodgers in seven, okay. not Dodgers in six, because I'm looking at the schedule and I see Verlander going in game two, which is October 25th. Mm-hmm. And game six is October 31st. That's a full set of rest between game two and six. Mm-hmm. I think Verlander comes back in a must-win game six and forces game seven. Yeah. And I think the Dodgers win in game seven. I think – so that's good. Dodgers in that's seven. It. I've got Astros in seven. We should play some money on it. Yep. Who's your MVP? My MVP. My MVP. I know who it is for the Dodgers, and I'm not happy about it. No, I, I think if my they MVP's, win, I know who it is. I think it's going to be Kershaw. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be my MVP. I, I think that Kershaw has the potential with with the days off they give in the series. He has the potential to pitch three times if they need it. You know, the like the 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 otherworldly thing that a starting pitcher can do in a World Series is go one, four, and seven. You know, like and, and if you can pull that off, it's like legendary. You know. Yeah. And I I see the potential for it. So I'm gonna say, I'm, I'll go with Kershaw as the MVP. He finally breaks his own kind of mantra of not being able to get it done in the playoffs. Okay. I was so. going to say, I don't think he can get it done in the playoffs. <laughs> so um, we'll I think out. if the Dodgers win, Puig is MVP. I think that, it honestly rides on him because I, yeah, I they're know. riding an unbelievable – like he's not a great player, and yeah. he's riding an unbelievably great playoff streak. Mm-hmm. Um, same with some of the uh, these other players. Justin Turner yeah. is always a high average hitter, but now he's hitting in clutch. He's hitting yeah. for RBIs. Bellinger, too, is, is performing. So all these players up and down are, are outperforming their yeah. regular status. So yeah. I think – it rides on Puig, to be honest. And the Astros, my MVP, when they win in seven, it's got to be Jose Altuve. Jose Altuve. I, I think, think there's so no way that if they win, he doesn't get MVP. Yeah. I mean, Unless yeah. Verlander does what Kershaw could have done in but, the But the, the thing Dodgers is, Verlander's scenario. pitching game two, though. So I, so I don't think there's any chance Verlander could pitch three times. But having said that, if you win game two and game six and, like, throw eight shutout in both games, yeah. then, like, you have a very solid chance of being World Series MVP. But, mm-hmm. but I do agree. I think in general – and in this specific instance, I would say for a team like the Astros, I think it's going to be Altuve who would win if they're going to win the series. So so there you go. That's it. Starts tonight if you're listening. Starts, yeah, Tuesday night. So uh, game one between Astros and Dodgers. So At the – In L.A. In so LA. L.A. L.A. first two, Houston next three, L.A. final two. So hmm. uh, World Series is the only – or baseball is the only – sport that still does the 2-3-2 format hmm. rather, rather than the 2-2 and then 1-1-1 one, one, one traveling back yep. and forth. So um, it's an interesting format because as we saw in the ALCS, the three straight home games for the Yankees gave them that 3-2 series lead. But then he, but then you got to go back and win one in Houston, which they weren't able to do. So, yeah. um, so there you go. Dodgers and Astros. Um, World Series set to start Tuesday night. So anything else on that? That's it. All righty. So, Astros. Couple more uh, topics. Uh, the, this was a quick one, but speaking of the Astros, Astros bench coach Alex Cora, former MLB player, played for a bunch of teams, uh, new Red Sox manager. Although there have been a couple reports that that's not finalized, I guess, but I, I think it, someone knows that it is because like they're like the Red Sox had like a Snapchat or something that said Alex Cora, and then yeah. like they deleted it. <laughs> he, he's the manager. So, okay. um, Alex Cora is the new Red Sox manager. Uh, 
I don't really know. I, Did, I mean, have I, you looked up anything about his resume? Not really. So no. I don't have it pulled up in front of me, but I was sitting somewhere today and I had a glance mm-hmm. at a newspaper that said he will be the new yeah. um, manager of the Red Sox, and it listed his accomplishments since since being in the, in the majors, in the majors yeah. and winning a World Series. Yeah. And it's like he brought the Puerto Rican team to the World Series. He brought another team to win, like, their championship. Yeah. Then he brought, like, a, a double-A team to the championship. And yeah. now he's on the championship Astros team yeah. out of nowhere. So I yeah. think I have no idea besides, like, I'm kind of against hiring brand-new yeah. baseball players as managers because yeah. I feel like it's just a cop-out. But um, but this guy's resume, from yeah. what I saw, is legit. And I was yeah. like, okay, he looks good. I will say also when I say but – the you look at the Yankees, right? The Yankees did that with Joe Girardi, actually. Yeah. Like Joe well, he Girardi wasn't was like pretty, so. He wasn't so. totally fresh, but he was, you know, first managing job yeah. uh, coming out of playing. And on the other side of the World Series, you look at Dave Roberts, um, who also is not fresh out of baseball, but first managing job, former player, yeah. not that old yet. So, um, so it, it is sort of a, I guess you can call it a fad in Major League Baseball, where they're taking relatively young former players and they're getting manager jobs. Um, I, I like the signing. It's a stark contrast from John Farrell, which is what I, which is what they need. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you, like you can't just change the manager in principle. You got to change the the culture. mindset and yeah. the culture. You know, so um, I like it. I I'm hoping that he's well liked being a former player. That's one thing I think former players a lot of times will have to their advantage is that is that the players like them if they can relate to them heavily, um, having been a relatively recent former player. So um, we'll see how it is. He's got a lot of work to do. I think they're. There are personalities to manage in this Red Sox team, and there's there's some inconsistencies and roster issues that he's going to have to manage his way around. Yeah, um, it's still a good team, but I think they're not complete. So we'll see how he does. But I, I think it's I give my approval to it for now. He's got a good resume, and I'd rather them take a chance on someone like Alex Cora than you know, like I saw Ron Garden hire his name in the mix. Like I don't know, Dusty he, Baker. He's Would been around Dusty, Dusty Baker. I, I mean, I don't mind Dusty Baker either. It's just I think I would rather shoot big with a guy who's unknown then go for a guy that's been around a while and has never been able yeah. to win. You're not in a rebuilding mode. You, exactly. you just need some fresh energy. Yeah, I fresh think, energy. I think it's right. good. Yeah. So um, that's that. Anything else for baseball? That's it for baseball. All righty. Um, so. Moving along to the NBA, just a few quick things because mm-hmm. the NBA is just in the early yep. stages of the season. But injuries, the NBA is riddled with injuries this yeah. year. In a, I don't know what – There's obviously nothing has changed. The same old sport. Except for the one thing – I don't buy into it, but the one thing people are pointing to is, that they, is how they shorten the preseason – um, oh, a lot of people yeah. think that players aren't in, aren't ready yet or aren't in game shape yet. I don't buy that. I don't I think buy that, that I don't think preseason games are what get you ready. Yeah, so we've but. got some major injuries. Gordon Hayward obviously out yeah. for the season. Um, Chris Paul out for multiple weeks. Yeah. Uh, plenty of other people who are, are sidelined with, with injuries yeah. here and there. Isaiah Thomas still hurt. Like There's yeah. a lot of people who the NBA was shaping up to be this ultimate matchup of teams, and now people are kind of, uh, I don't yeah. know, not – getting what they paid for in terms yeah. of this huge off season. Yeah. Um, the Cavs aren't producing as well as they should. The Warriors aren't producing as well as they yeah. should. The surprises. Celtics aren't producing as well as they should. Yeah. So that leads me to the next thing is surprises. So what's your biggest surprise of this NBA season so far? I mean, what are we three games in four yeah. games? in? So um, one quick note I just want to mention is that I, I can't believe that it hasn't been a week yet since Gordon, Gordon Hayward got hurt. It feels yeah. like that was five years ago at this point. Um, so it's going to be a long recovery process for him and the Celtics just had such high hopes for the season and, you know, now have to shift gears and try to just, you know, try to get better is now the new goal rather than thinking that you're there. Um, I think when you're talking about surprises, 
I, I have to, so, so I have a couple. Um, one of them is going to be focused around the Bucks and Giannis, who I think the Bucks might be arriving faster than people thought. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I went to the Celtics home opener against Milwaukee. I know the Celtics are shorthanded and underperforming, but uh, I am very impressed by what I see from him and the Bucks team. Uh, I'm going to get to Giannis more in my final drive, but uh, he's a surprise. I think the Warriors have to be a surprise. <laughs> this is a team that people thought, you know, everyone always talks about the the win record that they almost had, or that they did have a few years ago um to start one and two is awesome i'm thrilled that they started one and two it, yeah, just, it brings joy that. to me yeah um but you know at the same time it is a pretty big surprise losing to a team like memphis um so they're a surprise and then i think the last one that i would say is a surprise but again i'll say it's not much of a surprise to me because i'm not an, as high on them is philadelphia being zero and three um, huh. the Sixers, everyone has been amped up that they've arrived, you know, that they're here now, they're going to win now. And they're not there yet. Uh, from what I've watched they're they're you know, the process is working, they're getting better, but they're, they're not at, at the position yet that everyone kind of jumped They have not fully to. processed. No, they have not processed. <laughs> um, and you know, so th- there's the whole Embiid contract. That's a whole nother discussion, but yeah. I think they're a little bit of a surprise that they're Oh, and three, um, at least as of the last time I checked, I'll double check that they are, but th- those are probably my surprises in the early going. Gotcha. So. Um, my biggest surprise, as you could maybe guess, Orlando Magic. Yeah, I forgot to mention that. Orlando Magic just beat the Cavs, who yeah. have already beaten the Celtics. So yeah. that makes them therefore magic. the Magic are better than the Celtics. Right. Right. Uh, Vucevic is finally turning into a star player. He is our, our big good. center. He's figured out how to shoot threes. He hit seven threes against the Cavs. I think he hit five or six more threes in the next game. So he's a center who's out there draining threes mm-hmm. and also has a very – Good, good post big game, game. Yeah. good post game. The chemistry for the team is working. It hasn't been working up until now. So I'm, I'm very. I mean, I, I don't expect them to be good by any means. But yeah, but it's, it's still fun. It's encouraging. Like, like, it's, like, it's weird to be yeah. like, whoa, three yeah. games in, and I'm like, yeah. wow, the Magic make the eight seed yeah. in the East and get a yeah. playoff game. And, cool. And it's, like that, that excitement is like, it's, it's almost hard to explain it to someone who isn't relating to it. And yeah. like, like I, it's, you can sort of feel what it was like two years ago for the Celtics, like. Yeah, obviously it's like they're not. They can't. Be, yeah. They they'll get swept in the first round. But like this is sweet. Like we yeah. might make the playoffs. I'm you know? so, so it's like I'm so excited that we are not going to be terrible. It, yeah, and that's, we will just be <laughs> average enough to make. Is it exactly half? Like yeah. What is it? Eight, how many teams make playoffs? Sixteen uh, out of yeah, thirty. Pretty much. Yeah, yeah. So, so half, we're a little ju- slightly yeah, up, but more than half. We yeah. almost might be just under half. <laughs> yeah. That's so great. Yeah. I can't wait to be yeah. just a tiny bit below the <laughs> average team and make the eight seed in the East. <laughs> so there it is. Um, That's my surprise. Yeah, and, and I'll add one more, and the Brooklyn Nets are 2-1 and one as well, um, which is a big surprise and, and a surprise that makes me happy, obviously, because the Celtics traded away the Nets picks to the Cavaliers. So I would yeah. love – They did lose Jeremy Lin for the season, however. They did, yeah. That is true. That is true. Um, Another injury. So um, Moving on to the last – piece of NBA topic and I'm getting so sick of actually talking about these types of yeah. issues. <laughs> Eric Bledsoe for the Suns becomes the latest player to I have demand a trade written here but I just cross it out and write to do whatever the heck he wants. <laughs> Cuz they, they there's no rules anymore between like signing contracts. Yeah. Like why they they people sign contracts, they get trade like you have a responsibility to play for the team you're on. Yeah. Everybody in the NBA is just like bored done you signed a contract like part of your responsibility when signing a contract is to evaluate the franchise you're signing with and if you think that the franchise is in disarray and that they're 
poorly managed and you don't see a future direction with them, you don't sign with them. Yeah. That's like so, the way it works. And it's not a – like I don't care. You can obviously have ill will towards a, an organization that, that you don't see as going anywhere and you feel like you're wasting the best years of your career, whatever. But to handcuff that organization on the way out as well yeah. by making this public is so pathetic. And yeah. every NBA player is like – they say, I want to play for one of the big guys. Screw you, sons. And now yeah. every big guy in the NBA is like, I've got an extra they, basketball back they here. Kill if the you, NBA. Yeah, if you're I like, mean, you want an extra basketball, like, sons, because I'll give you an extra yeah. basketball for Eric Bledsoe, yeah. a very good yeah. point guard. Yeah. So they just, they handcuff these organs. I'm, I'm scared that's going to happen to the Magic. The yeah. Magic, like, and I know I bring everything back to the Magic because that's my team, well, but it's, 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 it's the same scenario. Like, if Vucevic was like, Vucevic has the total if, power to do that if he if decided he tweeted, to do that. I don't want to be here. Yeah. Then immediately, all of our good players don't want to be there. Yeah. Immediately, he gets traded for for nothing. Pennies on the dollar. We make nothing yeah. back, and we're stuck in this limbo again. In, in It's just bad for the NBA, and mm. I think they should do something about it. I don't think you yeah. should be allowed to say, I'm not going to play for the team I'm on. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't be allowed to say that, and also, like, not, I don't know. I don't know what the solution is. Yeah. But in such a small league where five people make the difference, yeah. sometimes one. Yeah, like if one person shows up and makes a difference, like it, it's it's crippling to the bottom half of the teams yeah. who can't keep players just because the players are like, I think I'm better you than almost, the team. You almost need to in situations like this, like Paul George did it to Indiana. Now Paul, Indiana will yeah. not make a playoff, I guarantee you, yeah. for five years. Yeah, and, and now while there there are some other factors with Indiana because Indiana had a lot of chances to trade him earlier, but but still, I mean. The point remains is that he basically comes out and says, "I'm leaving a free agency." And Two so, years, like, yeah. So it, it immediately drives down the league-wide price on paying for him. Um, you almost think that there needs to be an independent, like, um, vetoing of, of a trade. You know that 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 is detrimental to the league. You know, like if if Eric Bledsoe and, and I don't know who is a good suitor for him. Maybe like San Antonio comes to mind, who could use a really good point guard, um, but has a lot of other good pieces. If San Antonio is the only team that comes along and offers a mid first round pick, like so, a San Antonio first round pick is going to be what twenty five. Yeah. If they come along and offer the twenty fifth pick for Eric Bledsoe, that's really probably not market value for what's a borderline all star point guard. Um, yeah. But who's going to pay anything more? Like, why would someone else pay more? They've already said that he doesn't want. They're going to trade him. They have no leverage. Yeah. So it's like you'd almost say that some independent league league group needs to like review a trade like that and say no this can't happen but you kind of can't do that either because then because still no one's going to pay the price that he deserves at this point because of the publicity of it so yeah. I, I agree I think and it's it, it bugs me when players just like disregard their contract completely unless they've been totally wronged yeah like which I to, as far as I understand he hasn't been they just they, they stink, they stink like, and they have a new coach who yeah. just got fired like yeah. I get it you can be upset yeah but the moment you tweet I don't want to be here you cripple that organization yeah you yeah. do, because they're filled with young players, yeah. no coach. Now you're just like, instead of just bringing it up to the organization, saying, I would like to trade, I don't think I need to be here. Yeah. Maybe he did, and they said no, or they pushed back, and that's why he did it. But yeah. that doesn't seem to be the case. Right. He seems to have gotten frustrated and say, get me out of here. Mm-hmm. Which is, it sucks for the fans, it yep. sucks for the NBA, it's just, and it's becoming more prevalent. People just say, "I don't want yeah. to be on these teams because the players only, can do whatever." Because only because only five teams have a chance at winning, and yeah. I'd rather be on one of those teams. Yeah, it's true, and, and it it hurts the league. It does. Um, so that's that. That's that. Um, the Suns stink really the bad. Suns <laughs> are the Suns smelly. lose by forty. They're a stinky, night, so. stinky team. Um, and they fire their coach after three games. So 
Uh, all that said about Eric Bledsoe, there really is no defending the dysfunction of the Phoenix Suns anyway. Um, but that is a story for another time. So well, any other – The Phoenix bums. Phoenix bums. There you go. That's good. That's Thanks. good. I like that. Yeah. Appreciate it. Um, so that's it. That's Any, it. Anything else on sports? Nothing else on sports. All right. He brings us to the final drive. I think both of our final drives are about sports anyway. So what do you want to do, first or second? I'm going to go second, Derek. Second. Thanks. Okay. I'll go first. Uh, it's a smooth transition. We were just talking about the NBA. I'm going to give you – I did this like during baseball season, and I bombed them completely okay. for my bold Red Sox predictions. Sure. So we're going to just bounce back here and do bold NBA predictions. Um, not saying bold like they're they're ridiculously bold. I mean, they're not they're All not right. Crazy, just do them. So first bold prediction. Uh, league MVP, I, I touched on it earlier, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Did you say is, that right? I, I don't know if I did. Ante, okay. an, I think I did. Antetokounmpo, I think. Um, he's going to win unanimously the MVP this year. Wow. Now, that's the bold part, is unanimous. I, I think that he he's going to he's gonna be a unanimous MVP. He's, like, this guy is averaging right now 38 points a game. I watched him in person. He is, at 22 years old, he's quickly approaching – like almost a LeBron James level of unguardability. I mean, this guy's running point guard for Milwaukee, and he's six foot eleven. Yeah. And like he's got like a ninety-five foot wingspan. And I does... saw I saw a clip of him stealing the ball, and as soon as he crossed half court, dribbled one time he, his, before he got to the basket. It's ridiculous how long his strides are. And the scariest part, and I don't know if this will come to fruition this year. The scariest part is that he doesn't have a three-point shot. This guy doesn't have a three-point shot yet, and he's averaging thirty-eight points a game, yeah. um, and like thirteen rebounds. And so. He's a freak. I saw him. I saw him play in person last week. Uh, that's bold prediction number one. I think he's a unanimous MVP this year, partly because Russell Westbrook is going to have lower numbers with the two stars on his team now, which leads me to number two, fi- NBA Finals matchup. This is this is a little bit bolder and hotter of a take. Let's hear it. I think OKC is going to the finals and not Golden State. This okay. Year. I saw a little bit of See. OKC. I think that they, if they get, if they're willing to be coached a little bit, and those three guys are willing to play together, they could be. A better do a better trio than Golden State has, I think. So, what's your matchup then? Um, Cleveland. Okay. I, I, I have to put Cleveland in the finals unless I get some inkling that Gordon Hayward's coming back. I'm not. I'm not putting Washington over them. I'm not putting Toronto over them. It's Cleveland unless I get any indication that Gordon Hayward's going to come back and be 100%, which doesn't look like it's going to happen. Yeah. So, I'm still putting Cleveland in there, especially if Isaiah Thomas gets healthy. I'm not going to pick that series yet, but I'm going to say OKC. That's the bold part. Is OKC is going to get there over Golden State? My third one, not very bold, but I'm going to say it anyway. Jason Tatum's going to win Rookie of the Year this oh. year with his expanded role. He's going to start pretty much 82 games now for yeah, the Celtics. Um, it was not on the radar before the season because he was going to play very few minutes probably. but Well, not very few, but wouldn't play enough to win Rookie of the Year. I think he's going to do it now. He's probably going to average double-digit points, almost double-digit rebounds. So I'm going yeah. to say uh, Fultz, Tatum. And Fultz can't shoot a free and throw Fultz, to save his Fultz life. Fultz cannot shoot a free throw, which nobody really saw coming, but I don't know what's going <laughs> yeah. on with him. Um, so I think it's to me, I think it's going to come down to him. Or actually, I think Dennis Smith Jr. might have a shot at it because he's a very good rookie for Dallas. So there you go. I'm going to say Tatum, Rookie of the Year. So that's it. it. Final drive. So those are some hot predictions. So my final drive is Joe Thomas, um, an offensive lineman for the Cleveland Browns, just ended an unbelievable streak, a streak that you that doesn't make sense. He, <laughs> he played an incredible 10,363 consecutive plays for the Browns, consecutive offensive snaps. He never missed a snap. He was never rotated out. He was never injured for a game. He was never injured for a snap. He never had to take a breather. He never got a cut that he had to get bandaged. He never lost his helmet (laughs) and had to go off for a play. He literally 
played for 10,363 consecutive plays for the worst team in football. And finally, not finally, but unfortunately just got hurt. He had a shoulder injury and had to come out. Um, I think uh, they're doing the MRI today, so we won't know exactly how bad it is, but it's supposedly pretty bad. So I think it says six to nine month recovery. Yeah. Um, so he may just retire, but if so, it ends an unbelievable career for an, a really, really underrated, uh, I mean, maybe oh, the yeah. best offensive lineman of our generation, just to fly totally under the radar on a bad team. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer. He played, he's the best Iron Man I've ever seen play the game, and he never complained about how terrible, terrible, terrible the Browns are. He yeah. said he'd walk into a quarterback and have walk into a huddle and have to ask which what the quarterbacks' names are sometimes. Yeah, because they just fly. Well, yes, yeah. I, I was trying to find the uh, how many quarterbacks he, he's played. I was for. trying to find the list because because actually on part of my take that I was listening to today they actually named all of them. Twenty one quarterbacks. Joe Thomas has Joe been Thomas the blind has, side blocker for. He's he's blocked for twenty one different Browns quarterbacks. Twenty one Browns <laughs> quarterbacks. Yeah. So hats off to you, Joe Thomas. Incredible career. Needs to be a more household name than it actually is. I think if you're a football fan, you know who he is. But if you're not, you, you don't. And this is one of the, the better athletes of our generation. So hats off to Joe Thomas. Congrats on inc- most likely an inc- incredible career. Probably retire. Um, yeah. But 10,363 consecutive plays. Amazing. Unbelievable. Just crazy. So crazy. That's it. That's it for episode 83, 83. Derek. 83. Wow. 83 episodes. That's it. So we'll, next week we'll be back, episode 84. 84 Hopefully PC gets week. a big win on Florida State on Friday night. We'll talk about it then next, next Tuesday morning for episode 84. Later days.